How do you make your team unbreakable? How do you elevate an already high-performing team? How do you strengthen teams, even through change? Welcome to Leading Generous Teams, a number one charting leadership podcast dedicated to helping leaders create a bigger impact. We bring you insights from leaders who know how to strengthen team connection and improve resilience in a fast-paced, high-pressure and constantly changing work environment. I'm your host, Claire Dezira, from the Top 5 Movement. We deliver keynotes, team programs and award-winning coaching to help you apply neuroscience in practical ways so that you and your team can have that big impact, but with more ease. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to another episode of Leading Generous Teams. Today, our guest is the wonderful Kelly Quirk, Vet Advocacy Director at Royal Cannon, Australia, New Zealand. With more than 15 years experience in comms and marketing for leading global organisations, Kelly's passionate about the power of purpose and data-led storytelling to motivate, inspire and connect people with companies, causes and brands. In her role at Royal Cannon, Kelly leads a veterinary business for Australia and New Zealand, which includes increasing awareness of the importance of nutrition in managing outcomes for pets, as well as partnering with other organisations to improve the long-term sustainability of the veterinary industry. In her spare time, Kel loves walking in nature, stand-up paddle boarding, travelling to new destinations and discussing a great read with a glass of wine at her book club. Now, I've personally had the pleasure of working alongside Cal for many years in a corporate responsibility team at NAB. We focused on programs and community investment in Indigenous affairs, education, community and social and financial inclusion. And I think anyone that has the opportunity to cross paths with Cal leaves a better person. Super big heart, enormous brain and very generous. So, I'm so excited, Cal, to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. Thanks, Claire. And you took me right back to that time when we were working together. It was so fun. It really was such a great time, such a memorable time. Now, Kel, just before we dive in, I think it's worth letting listeners know that today we are going to be talking not only about your leadership insights, but also what's happening with mental health in the veterinary industry. And vets do have a higher um, incident of mental health issues. So I think that's just important to call out before we dive in. Hey, Cal, you've worn a number of leadership hats over your career, including leading a team of about 40 now. Tell us what you most love about leading teams and moving a group of people towards change. I think for me, it's it's watching people surprise themselves with how much they can develop and grow. So when you see people out of their comfort zone and just finding that edge when they're going beyond what they've done in the past... Um, So in my team, we laugh and we ask each other, do you feel a little bit sick in your stomach? Good. You're (laughs) challenging yourself enough. Um, So I love that that ability as a leader to watch others find that performance edge. Um, And equally, I love seeing a team just find their groove together. So overcome adversity, become stronger because of it. And a lot of my experience has been around managing issues and crises. And this is usually a really huge benefit that can come out of these situations that leaders and businesses don't actually expect when they go into one of those situations. So, yeah, just love people, seeing people at that performance edge. Oh, I totally agree about what a crisis can do for a team. And we're often talking with clients who maybe come to us at that crisis point and say, we need some help. And we'll often say, like, you're actually really ready for this. Like two things we know, you're ready for this. And also this is going to strengthen your team like nothing else. So 
it's great to hear that. And I've seen you manage teams through that as well, which is, which has yeah, been amazing. But Cal, what do you find most challenging about leadership? Well, I'm an empathetic leader. So the biggest thing I've had to work on over the years is not getting caught up in others' emotions around change. So as a leader, you obviously know you have a role to play in, in listening and understanding where your people are at. But I now know it's not my role to take on their personal emotions. And I think, like many leaders, we should talk about how challenging the pandemic was because I really struggled with the variety of emotions I was dealing with every day from my team. Some people were loving the situation and they were really up. Some of them had real challenges at home and they were down. And I was also trying to manage my own reaction to the changing situation, to what was extremely ambiguous for all of us. So that taught me a lot about how to put boundaries in place, how to debrief with other leaders and about something called compassion fatigue, which is something we actually deal with in the veterinary industry. Oh, interesting. I'm looking forward to learning more about that. Gail, you said you're an empathetic leader. What like, what led to you even realising that that was a thing and realising that you were maybe taking on other people's emotions more than perhaps a leader sitting next to you and on the other side? Well, a lot of observation and self-reflection, I would say, but also as you go through your leadership journey, I mean, you're often given the opportunity to explore through different behavior models, what type of leader you are. And I think that's really important for, for everyone to do, just to understand what are their preferences that they're bringing to a situation and how can they make sure that they uh, are able to recognize those preferences and to work out ways and behaviors that you can uh, maybe shift those in the situation. Great. So look, reflection and kind of being able to dive into some models and, and mm. have some discussions. Yeah, good one. Thanks. And Cal, like we know you're a generous leader but for your own team, but also you work towards that long-term sustainability of the vet industry. Tell us a little bit more about what you do and a little bit more about what this compassion fatigue is as well. Yeah, for sure. So, at Royal Cannon, we've got this very, very strong belief that pets make the world a better place. And because of that, we want to make a better world for pets. And, and it's a purpose that's very much shared by the veterinary industry, who we work alongside when it comes to improving pet health through nutrition. And so what many people are surprised to hear is that we have a growing shortage of veterinarians and nurses in Australia, especially when you think we have high rates of pet ownership. Um, so the industry also has really concerning level of retention, mental health issues, and vets have a suicide rate that's four times that of the general population. Wow. Yeah, and th- and look, there's so many reasons for this. There's not one reason for it, but if we think about the long hours, the high workload and stress that vets have, the poor pay, financial stress, um, the conflict that they might have with colleagues, and then this concept of compassion fatigue, which is when you're constantly exposed to emotions. And if you think about a a vet, for example, you might be moving from one consult in a day when you're seeing a new kitten with a a very excited family to the very next consult when you're putting down a a much-loved family dog. And over time, if you don't have the right structures in place to to support yourself in that, that can become very exhausting and lead to burnout. Yeah, of course. And so tell us what what's the work that you're doing there to support 
with this? Yeah, so the Australian Veterinary Association, the AVA, did a study a couple of years ago and they it showed that one of the most important psychosocial risk factors for vet professionals was actually the negative interactions with pet owners that they have in clinic. So one of the things we've been partnering with the industry on is just raising awareness with pet owners about the reasons behind the cost of veterinary care and the importance of having health insurance for your pets and just reminding pet owners to be kind and to recognise the work of vets so we can limit that conflict that we see in clinic that is such a psychosocial risk. Um, Another thing that we're doing is uh, partnering with experts to provide development opportunities for vet professionals and some of the skills that just don't get covered in vet school or TAFE. So if you think about leadership, engagement, managing colleague relationships and how do they manage their own health and well-being. And then what's also important is helping vet nurses and vets work at the very top of their qualifications. So I know a lot of us can relate to this. When you feel like you're an expert and your skills are being used and you're growing and learning, you're much more likely to stay in your job. So one of the ways we support this specifically is by developing vets and nurses in the subject of nutrition and how nutrition relates to different disease states. So by hopefully, you know, continuing to improve their skills and experience, we're helping those vets and nurses to stay at the very top of their game and feel feel engaged. Yeah, wow, so interesting. Thanks, Cal. And what about if we think about your team for a moment? What do you do to support the mindset and resilience and focus of your own team? One of the things we measure only just recently is energy. So we're very focused on helping our team members understand where do they get their own energy and what drains them of energy. So then it comes down to how do we empower our individuals and our teams to make changes to improve their energy, but also how do we provide as leaders permission to do that as well, whether it's visibly prioritising healthy behaviours or helping to remove unnecessary processes that may be draining people. Hey, can you tell me just to um, dip back to that last question? Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about how you're measuring energy? What does that look like? Yeah, for sure. So we have, you know, like many organisations, we have an engagement survey that we send out to our teams to, to, you know, realise how they're feeling, how engaged they are um, in relation to their performance. And one of the questions is around whether they have the energy they need to do uh, what they love outside of work. And that's really important to us, right? Because if we don't have a high result on that, then it's showing that what's happening at work is taking too much energy away from our teams and, and, you know, how they show up to their family and friends as well. Yeah, what a great um, qualifying question, right? Because it's a broad mm. one, Have how much energy have you got? But I can really relate to that. You know, when you're kind of, you've been running on adrenaline for too long, it's really easy to find yourself running out of that, running out of steam to do the stuff that you love and that that can, that can fall to the side, right? Mm. So easily. Yeah, that's really terrific. You're measuring that and having conversations about it as well. Thanks for sharing that. You're personally known as a passionate, purposeful and really highly effective leader and you also bring that really human perspective. And so I'm just, I'm interested to dive into what are your kind of real, honest, non-negotiables to maintain and fuel your own mindset and energy? 
So, of course, it comes down to the healthy habits that we have to have as leaders. Uh, so, sleep and exercise being the non-negotiables for me. I also really need connection. Um, and that includes feedback from my peers, from my leaders, from my team. And then I have to say laughter because laughter just gives me so much joy and we need more of it in our workplaces, I think, to boost our engagement and boost our well-being. And I, I do get that humour at work has to be done with extreme care, uh, but a bit of banter goes a long way with me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, we've loved meeting some of your Royal Cunning crew and we got the privilege of working with a group of your leaders, sharing some frameworks to help them recover from a challenge a few years mm. ago. And uh, I know some of your leadership team have attended our webinars. As you know, Kel, from our work together, we bring neuroscience to purposeful workplaces to drive that sustainable thinking, action and change. And that includes supporting leaders and their teams to fuel what we call HEP mindsets. And that, that HEP, that H GP stands for something that's helpful, encouraging and productive mindset. So with that kind of framing in mind, you've shared some things that you do to keep that energy going, but I'm really interested as well in what are some of the things that you think, what are some of those thoughts that you practice to really keep working through those complexities and ambiguity of, of leadership at the level you work? Well, as you say, the problems that come to you as a leader, as you move through your career, are increasingly complex. So one reframe I use quite a bit is nobody has a simple answer to this question because what that does is it helps me to think much more broadly and it helps me to engage others to attempt to find a solution to a complex problem. So that's one I definitely use a lot. Mm, nice. Um, and then... I think many of us experience a crisis of self-confidence from time to time. So one of the <laughs> no, things... I, get out of no. here. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things I do is I look to see, is there actual evidence for what I'm thinking about myself? And if not, that is simply a story in my head. And that's been really important for me as I step into new roles, particularly roles with breadth where I might may not have a deep level of experience to draw upon. Um, and then, Claire, I remember you shared with me once a super helpful tool called ThinkUp, which is an app where you can record your helpful, encouraging and productive thoughts. And you can record them in your own voice and listen to them when you need a boost of self-confidence. So I've used that a lot, especially if you're heading into an important meeting and you can either decide to listen to some Beyonce or you can <laughs> listen to your own voice. <laughs> with some helpful, encouraging, productive thoughts. So that's been really great. And then, as you mentioned before, Claire, a couple of years ago as a leadership team, we were going through some really challenging situations where we didn't have adequate supply of our products coming into Australia. And so we, we were in the middle of a crisis and we'd planned two days together to help us sort of get the most of our, out of our time. And I remember you kicked us off with a session on mindset. And I think the fact we were in crisis, just to lift us out of that and to start the day um, feeling excited, positive and ready to focus on how we were going to bring the business out of this crisis into recovery was super helpful. So that's a framework, I think, that has been useful over and over again for, for me and my team. 
Oh, I'm so glad to hear that, Cal. We find that we love, you know, we talk about circuit breakers and mm. we would kind of say that, you know, we share mini circuit breakers that people can use on the fly a lot. But, you know, a session like that is a great circuit breaker when you've been in a crisis time to then come in and, and transition into that solution mode. Sometimes we just need something to lift up and out of, of that adrenaline pace or, or that you know, depleted place for some of us as well, if we've been operating in that space for so long. So I'm so glad to hear that still sticks. And I wanted to throw back to what you shared about the Think Up app. And mm. <laughs> I um, I didn't realize you'd been using that. It's really terrific to hear. And I guess for the listeners, it, it might be a bit of a weird thing to think, well, you record your own voice and listen to it. Like, who are you? And, you know, I, I'd never encourage someone. I know sometimes, you know, a, medical professional might say to somebody working on confidence to talk to themselves in the mirror or say something out loud that's not something personally that I could connect with as a as a tool to use but what I really loved about this think up app and like you said you know it's either listen to Beyonce listen to some helpful and productive thoughts that you've recorded and and the think up app sets it to music what you're saying as well so it doesn't it sort of you know adds something to it but the other I guess alternative is like if you're not distracting yourself in that mental run-up to that meeting, for that example, and you're not listening to Beyonce, then probably what's going to be happening is, especially if that's a meeting that might have a bit of charge around it, is that negativity bias that our brain runs on by default can kick in and can be planting some of those seeds of doubt. You know, how do I get out of this? Or what are they going to want this time? Or is this going to go badly? Or, or just kind of, you know, ruminating and, and over-preparing often with that lean towards the worst case scenario. So it might sound like a bit of a weird tactic to use, but I guess it's really important to think that if you're not doing that, then what's your brain running on? And and usually it is on default on that negativity bias. So record your voice and listen to but, it. But it really but it's is. Just, it's, sorry to interrupt, but it's the active, it is the active writing down what you're going to record that is the reframing, right? And then the recording and the listening to it is just creating those new neural pathways in your brain. It is, yeah. And and there are, you know, there are different things that can create those new neural pathways. You know, sometimes it can be an in, intense experience, whether that's a good or bad thing. But we also know, you know, neuroscience tells us that it's that repetition, which is really key for forming those new neural connections. And if you want to put yourself in the same situation, you want to be training his brain to not, you know, so often we prepare ourselves physically for situations. And, you know, when this happens, this is what we will do. But what using a tool like that is actually is preparing you mentally so that when you're in that same situation, it's just very clear, you know, it's the, the thinking habits and practices are there and in place and ready to support you to work through that crisis of confidence or work through a nervous situation or work through that moment where you maybe do step up and say something or contribute or challenge something as well. So, yeah. <laughs> it might sound like a little odd thing to do, but I always kind of think like, what's the alternative? The alternative is probably yeah, having your brain fill in, fill in the silence. And if left to its own devices, it's often running on that negative default. Go, mm. I'd love to think about, um, you know, you've got decades of experience as a leader now. And I was just wondering if you could wind the clock back to the beginning of your work and share a few leadership lessons with your younger self, what would they be? Oh, I love these exercises about talking to my younger self. Um, so the first one for me would be, you don't need to know it all. 
it's really about finding the right people and the right resources who can help you get closer to the solution you are looking for. And, and this goes back to what I was saying around the increasing complexity of problems. No one knows it all. No one knows the answer. The trick is how do you harness the right expertise uh, and thinking around you to get to a result? So that would be the first one. Nice. The second one for me, which has become increasingly important, is always prioritizing self-reflection. So if you don't prioritize reflection, and I would say a weekly habit at least, you just can't learn the lessons and you can't develop because you, if you're not assessing your successes and failures constantly, you're going to miss the lesson. So I think that's something that I've developed over time, but I wish I could tell my 21-year-old self when she was entering the workforce that that's going to be important for her as well. Yeah. Um, and then the third one for me is that doing the right thing is never the wrong thing. And in all of my experiences in businesses who are managing crises, the most important part is staying true to your purpose and your values as a business and as a leader. So that's definitely a lesson that I've continued to live by in my career. Yeah, thanks for sharing those. Kel, tell me when you say uh, the reflection is something mm. that you wish you'd learned, what does that practically look like? You said, you know, like a weekly check-in. What do, what do you do during that time? Yeah, so I have time put aside in my diary on a Friday because I find Fridays are the best days for me and my agenda. And I just do a simple reflection where I ask myself a few questions like, how did I spend my time this week? What did I learn this week? How is my team going? What do they need from me? So just really schedule time to think about my performance over the week and also to look forward to the week ahead and how I might want to turn up for my team uh, next week. Mm, that's great. I love that. I love that you kind of switch into that also. What are you looking forward to next week? Good Friday energy, right? To kind of go mm. in with that looking forward to mindset um, as well. I know we, I have some clients and our team use this process too. It's a weekly check-in as well. But there's one other thing that we do on our check-in and it's like before I finish up today, who can I thank for something before I leave as well, which kind of, again, it kind of it pays forward that energy as well around supporting someone else to be thinking about looking, for, you know, having a strength recognised and being looking forward to the next week as well. Thank you for sharing that. It's really practical and really simple, right? And, and anyone can do it. And I think the gold in a lot of these um, tools, these circuit making, and we'd call that a circuit making tool because it's about, you know, slowing down to do some reflecting and possibly some reframing and setting yourself up for the next week is that most of them, there's no rocket science or, or brain rockets as my husband once confused. It's not brain science or rocket science. It's not brain rockets, but um, it, it's actually really accessible and it's, it's just the time. Like the, there's so much gold in just setting aside that little bit of time or not even setting aside, but investing that time um, in your leadership. Um, Cal, I'd love to ask you, uh, who springs to mind when you think of generous leaders? You know, our work's all about supporting generous leaders to have a bigger impact. So we always love to kind of have our eye on who else people think are generous leaders. Who comes to mind? So I'm very lucky to have 
three cousins who are very close in age to me, Helen Quirk, Kylie Quirk, and Christina Hollingsworth, and they are all hugely successful in their careers. And I love the way they lead as strong commercial leaders, but also with kindness and with the quirk sense of humour. So they've all been <laughs> a great source of trusted advice to me over the years. So I, I would need to mention them first up. I'd also like to mention Dr. Michael Powell at the Lincoln Institute. So that we partner closely with the Lincoln Institute on the work that we do around the sustainability of the veterinary industry. He's an extremely passionate veterinarian from Queensland who's really devoted his energy to helping other veterinary business owners learn what skills they need to succeed. And then if I could, I'd like to say Ted Lasso because what a highlight of lockdown TV he was <laughs> and an absolute gem of a leader who showed us how to lean into vulnerability and never stop learning. <laughs> Nice. Thanks, Kel. <laughs> Believe, hey? Um, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. I know you have really full days and I really appreciate um, your time and your generosity and the insights that you've shared today. You're such a gem. Thanks, Kel. Thank you, Claire. It was so fun to talk again. Thanks. I love chatting with Kel today and drawing on some of her leadership lessons after years of working and leading teams through issues and crises. At Top 5, we work with a lot of team in, in crisis mode and where leaders are blindsided by incident after incident and we often see the opportunity for people to be able to find that performance edge within that and also not miss those leadership lessons that the crisis will bring. One of the tools Cal uses for this is those weekly reflections. And we've got a great tool that can help you with that. To really supercharge your leadership and reflections, you can actually grab our free leadership audit now if you'd like. It includes mindset shifts to crack culture, build psychological safety and raise the bar. And it includes questions and prompts to really help you create bigger impact with more ease. It includes insights from conversations that we've had with Australian CEOs and leaders over the years and tools to fuel trust, communication and culture in your team. If you'd love to grab a copy, head over now to top5movement.com forward slash tools and uh, you, you can grab your copy. Lastly, in this episode, we have chatted about the higher mental health impacts for vets in, in the conversation. If you require further information or support about issues raised in this episode, please contact Lifeline Australia on 131114 or for dedicated mental health support for First Nations people, contact 13YARN or 139276. That's it for today. Thanks for being here. As we wrap, I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation from the country where this podcast is produced to pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Thanks again for listening to the Leading Generous Teams podcast. We've loved having you here. Hit subscribe to never miss an episode and have a cracking day.